Daddy was a preacher. She was his wife. Just trying to make the world a little better. No, shine a light. And people started talking just to, you know, hear their own voice. And those people accuse my father, saying he made the wrong choice. And though we might be faithful, and time will always tell, those people have long since gone, but my father never failed. Cause even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when my storm comes, I am washed by the water. And even when the rain falls, and even when my flood starts rising, even when my storm comes, I am washed by the water. And even when the earth crumbles under my feet And even when the ones I love turn around And crucify me And I won't ever ever let you down I won't fall, I can't fall, Lord I can't fall as long as your arms around me and even when my rain comes, even when the flood starts rising, and even when my storm comes, I am washed by the water. And even when the rain falls, even when my rain falls, yeah, and even when the flood starts rising, that flood will rise, and it's rising right now, baby. And even when the rain comes, even when my flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Thank you, Justin, for that. Here we go this morning to the book of Matthew to start the year. And to start the year with Vision Sunday. And a new series called My One and Only Life. Vision Sunday just means that we're going to be laying out uh, for you some of the big events and plans for the coming year. But I want to do it right in the message this year because our topic really agrees with our church vision uh, hand in hand. And so we're going to Matthew chapter 22 this morning for our reading. If you're able to, would you stand for the reading? And we're going to go to verse 35 as we begin this morning. Matthew 22 and verse number 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This morning we're going to talk about 
the first component of our church vision and the highest priority for each of our lives, loving God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us all to have authentic hearts of worship before you. I pray that we would desire to love God this year more than ever before. And that we would understand what that means. That it's not just a, a phrase, it's not just a trite expression, it's a reality that needs to be a part of our lives. I pray that you would guide us now in this message. Help us all to have clear understanding of what you'd have for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And I'm glad that you're here this morning on the first Sunday of the year. It's a time when we often talk about uh, priorities and goals and plans and major projects to accomplish. Every person does it a little bit differently. Uh, some people like to write down resolutions. Uh, some people like to make lists. Some people like to record priorities in their own words. And uh, I saw a, a tweet the other day. It's really funny. I don't know if it really came from Kenny Rogers, but it said that it came from Kenny Rogers. And here's what it said. I just pulled down my resolutions from last year, and I have two days to lose 20 pounds and learn to play the banjo. And <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, we have a lot of high ideals going into a new year. And the truth is, uh, some of us could go back to 2002 or 2006, and a lot of the things that we wanted to accomplish are still the things we want to accomplish now. And in some ways, that's good because... We want to be faithful in what we do for the Lord. But some of the things that we've purposed to do really are things that we've never done. And when it comes to the highest priority of our lives, we don't have to search or wonder what it is. Jesus said for us clearly and plainly that it is the first and great commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. Loving God is not an optional task. It's not a wait-and-see-if-I-have-time thing. It is the core, it is the center, it is the foundation of everything we do. And if we miss this one, if we miss loving God, we miss everything. It's really true. If we miss this one, we don't have the basics of our lives going. And there are a lot of things on the daily task list that could be delegated or farmed out to others. You could get McDonald's to make your breakfast for you. You can get Dutch Brothers to brew your coffee for you and the dry cleaner to do your laundry. You can hire a dog trainer if you don't have time to train your dog. You can get a person to come and clean your house or your hot tub even once a week. You can have an accountant do your taxes and a broker manage your retirement. You can have a mechanic keep the car in working order. There are all sorts of items that you can ask or pay people to do for you. But then there are the ones that only you can do. Men, only you can be the right husband to your wife. Only you can be the right father to your children. Ladies, only you can be the right wife and mother for your family. Nobody can do those things for you. And the same way with what we're discussing this morning. 
Loving God isn't something that anybody else can do for you. It's as personal as it gets. We're going to make the case today that loving God is the top priority for your life this year or any year. But we're also going to give you the practical way to grow in relationship with the Heavenly Father. And in the sermon, I'd like to share some of the things we have going here at Centennial Baptist Church to assist you in your relationship with the Lord, to assist you in your parenting, to assist you in your marriage, and in the other parts of your Christian walk. We 100% believe that loving God is what we've been created to do. That's what we've been made to do. We also believe that loving God is the greatest privilege of the local church. And so let's get to it this morning. And the notes are provided in your bulletin. If you'd like to follow along with us, uh, they're right in there this morning. And, and this whole series, uh, I, I think uh, it's going to be a great series for us as we just go back through some of the basics of the Christian walk. And uh, I sure am excited about it. The first thing I'd like to see in the message this morning Feed your heart and mind with God's Word. Feed your heart and mind with God's Word. Your life in 2015 is going to revolve around the things that you allow into your heart and mind. And if God's Word isn't absorbed into your life on a regular basis, it's illogical to expect that loving God will be your first priority. If we don't take in God's words for us every day, we lose focus quickly. This year at Centennial, we desire to honor God by making loving Him our top priority. And we're going to lift His word high. I promise that I won't come into this pulpit with my opinions, but with the very word of the living God. I'm not going to come in here with some self-help theory but we're going to declare the whole counsel of God like God has asked us to do. We need to feed our hearts and minds with the principles and truths of this book. We're going to have a sermon series this year about marriage, about raising children, about things that are important to God. We have helpful Bible lessons in our life groups on Sunday mornings at 9.45. We have Bible preaching every Sunday morning during this service at 11 and a separate service Sunday nights at 5.30. And I want to make sure you understand this. Our Sunday night service is not just a repeat of what we did in the morning. It's a totally different service where we preach truth by truth, verse by verse from God's Word. And back, uh, it may have been a generation ago or two generations ago, most churches had church Sunday morning, and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And uh, some people say, well, there's no verse in the Bible that says you have to have them then. And you're actually right. Uh, the, though the Christians did meet, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, there was no regulation that said how many times they did it. In fact, in the early church, they met every day. All right? So we could go back to doing that. But uh, now stats tell us that 5% of churches in the United States have a Sunday night service that is separate from Sunday morning. And uh, you say, Pastor, why do we still do it? We still do it because we believe that we need the Word of God in our lives. We believe that we need to ingest big amounts of the Word of God in our lives. And so we, we put that out there and we offer it. And we don't 
want it just to be an afterthought. We want it to be a big part of what we're doing. And so I just want to let you know that our Sunday night service is not what we do in the morning. We're studying right now the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament, and we'd love for you to come. Now, Wednesday nights, we have a lot of ministry things going on. We have Bible studies available for teens. We have a Bible study for young adults. We have children's ministries on Wednesday nights. We have nursery for all of our services. And right here in this room, we have a series on the stories of God's Word that we're doing. As a church, our top priority is loving God. And that means we have to lift high His Word. But you know, being involved in church by itself won't give you the right heart of worship. You have to be feeding your heart and mind with God's Word throughout the week. And I encourage you to have a personal Bible reading plan. To get in the Scriptures daily to keep your path straight. Psalm 119 says this, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And I believe that to be true. And I brought my cell phone with me this morning. And uh, it's a very dangerous thing. But I turned the ringer off so that no one will bug me. Um, and on my phone, I'm just going to open my, my YouVersion Bible app. And I just want to tell you some things that are available here. Um, in this app, and most of you have, have smartphones, you can do this on an iPad or any tablet, YouVersion, uh, you can pick the version of the Bible that we use here at Centennial or version that you read, and uh, it tells you what, what plan you can do. There's a Bible in one year plan, there are devotional plans, there are family plans, there are partial Bible plans, topical plans, whole Bible plans, youth plans, and it plans for every member of your family at version, and it's free. And you can do it. Now, the plan I chose this year to start with is called Bible in 90 Days. And it takes me all the way through the Bible in 90 days. And in this version, I have videos that I can look at. I can go in and make notes for myself. I can highlight things. I can share my plan with other people uh, to help me stay honest with my plan and help other people with their plans. This is a great tool. And, it, and so I'm just pointing out some tools to you this morning for your personal walk. Now, many of you um, don't like to read the Bible on a, a screen. You like to read it just like this in, in the old leather-bound or hard-bound copy. And the truth is, the words, whether they're on a screen or they're in a book, they're the same words, right? So, so don't get confused on that or let anybody trick you on any of that stuff. The Word of God is the Word of God no matter where it's written. Uh, if it's written the way that it, it, it was translated originally. And so uh, the Word of God is important for your life, though. And it, you ought to have some type of a plan for reading God's Word. Here's what we know. The things that we don't plan to do rarely ever get done the way they should. It's just how life goes. And so get a plan. You could get a 3 by 5 card out and make check boxes for yourself. There are hundreds of plans available uh, that you can get on the Internet, or you can get an old plan. We, we used to do print plans for people here, but there's so many available now. And if you need help with that, 
I hope you'll talk to me because I could get you hooked up with a good plan that fits where you're at in your Christian walk, your age and stage and where you're at in your Christian life. And so feed your heart. Feed your mind with God's Word. You have to do it on a daily basis, but we also have to do it in a corporate way where we feed on the Word together. Here's another thing, though. Fill your soul with renewal and inspiration. Fill your soul with renewal and inspiration. In some ways, we are all the same. We're all made to love and glorify God. We're made for His pleasure. In other ways, we are made completely differently. Our personalities are different. Our likes and dislikes are different. Okay, I'll prove it to you. How many of you like liver and onions? How many of you would rather have a limb chopped off than to eat liver and onions? Yeah, right. So we have different likes and dislikes. Now, this is a weird question that I always like to ask. How many of you don't like ice cream? Okay, so that's pretty universal, I'm thinking, right? There aren't many people who don't like ice cream. That's kind of one, one of the things where it must be that God put that in all of us, where we like it. How many of you are lactose intolerant, though? So your body's not made to absorb ice cream. I'm sorry for you, Larry. I feel really badly for you. Um, we have different backgrounds. We have different gifts and talents and abilities. And that's why we're called individuals. Each individual is restored and energized differently. If you like to read, there are two encouraging books that talk about having a healthy soul that I'd like to recommend to you this morning. They're both by a man named John Ortberg, O-R-T-B-E-R-G. The one is called The Me I Want to Be. And it may be, other than the Bible, one of the best, of, best five books I've ever read. The Me I Want to Be. Incredible book. Every Christian should read it. The other book is called Soul Keeping. And here's what you'll find. Your soul needs to have renewal and inspiration. Because you're an individual, your soul may not receive encouragement from what brings refreshment to other people. Could be that participating on the worship team or playing an instrument fills your soul or listening to music fills your soul. It could be that those things don't interest you at all, but being in the quilting club fills your soul. Maybe serving in the nursery brings you joy and fills your soul. Maybe it makes you want to never drive on the property again. And If that's the case, please don't serve in the nursery. Uh, But find something that fills your soul, that refreshes you and leads you to a heart of worship. It could be you like to go out and observe God's creation. Or maybe you like to volunteer to help on the grounds crew here at church. Maybe helping in the kitchen an hour or two a week. Or volunteering at a local charity or mission that leads you to joy. For some it's art. For others it's books. For some it's listening to sermons. It could be watching I Love Lucy reruns. I I don't know what it is. I actually found myself doing that last night. My wife came in the room and she said, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. There's I Love Lucy reruns on our DVR. I started watching a couple of them. And they're still funny. They've been around for a long time. 
it kind of fills my soul a little bit. I don't know, maybe I'm an old soul. And maybe get off my back about it, okay? Um, did I, I kind of preach a little bit here, kind of going back and forth on some things. But I don't know what fills your soul. I don't know what readies you to worship God with your life. But you need to search for things that keep your soul healthy. Now, I'm not talking about the desire for things and money. That's covetousness. Okay? But I'm talking about soul refreshment, contentment with who God is. There's a difference between covetousness and contentment. The pursuit of things won't renew your soul. But the pursuit of God through discovering the way He has formed you, will lead you to refreshment. Some ladies can be refreshed by going to the mall and walking around for a few hours. And some men would rather be waterboarded than to step into a mall. It's just everybody's soul is different. We all have soul builders and soul stealers. All I'm saying is you need to find yours with God's help. And observe those things in your life. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God for refreshment. David was renewed through writing poetry to God. They were later called Psalms. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Elijah was renewed through solitude and silence. I'm kind of an Elijah. When it comes to some of that stuff. Paul was renewed through debating philosophers. That's how he really got his soul turned on. Peter, Peter needed to have a fishing net in his hands every once in a while to get his mind right. John loved companionship with the Lord. Esau was a hunter and went out in the wild and hunted. There were all sorts of different aspects in the Bible. I don't know what fills your soul, but you need to know what fills your soul. And if you don't know, ask the people closest to you what activity, what hobby, what action, what spiritual discipline, when I do it, am I the most peaceful? Am I the most joyful? And when am I the most irritated? Now, I thought, for years I've thought that I really like to cook. And I like to create new things and get in the kitchen and do some things. But my wife gave me some news this week that I did not know. She said, when you cook, you are irritable. It kind of shot down my, my whole soul theory there. Right? I, I thought I'd get in the kitchen, crack some eggs, you know, get, get some stuff whipping up, and that's soul health. But apparently, it only is soul health if it is solitude and silence. If I'm cooking for other people, apparently I'm irritable. Apparently. And I am that way. When I cook something, if you don't get to a table while it's hot, oh, it just frustrates me to no end. Because I just spent all that time cooking, and now you're going to be messing around while that food is getting cold. And if put it in the microwave, that ain't fresh. That ain't hot. That's no good. All right, so anyway, that's my little hobby horse. But your soul needs renewal. It really does. And you need to find what it takes to have Sabbath for your soul. 
God instituted that. God didn't need rest on the seventh day, but He gave us the institution of rest for our souls so that we can be ready to function and serve Him. So this is a big one. Then I want to talk about this one. Format your life for loving God. Format your life for loving God. One of my goals this year is to go with a team on a mission trip to India. And if we don't ever book dates or buy plane tickets or secure travel visas, that trip won't happen. For me and for that team to get to the destination, we have to move in that direction. Here's a big statement. If you've never heard it, you should write it down. It's huge. Direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. And what that means is, if you're not on the path, you'll never get to the destination. You've got to be on the path to get to the prize. And it's a direction determines destination. A life is not going to be transformed into loving God if it isn't taking steps in that direction. Now, in the room today, there are organized people and there are disorganized people. I'm not talking about that right now. There are people in this room who have book smarts and there are people who have street smarts. That's not what I'm talking about at this time of the service either. What I'm discussing here is about you personally considering what loving God should look like in your life. Right now, January 2015, what does loving God look like in your life on a daily basis? You should know what that looks like. You should know what loving God should look like in your heart, your soul, and your mind. Because this is the first and great commandment. And once you know what it looks like, you should incorporate those daily disciplines that will take you that direction. Because if you don't get in that direction, you won't get to that destination. It's guaranteed if you're not on the path, you won't get to the destination. Now, most people benefit from some type of format or pattern, some type of method for making the spiritual walk a reality. I know there's a theory that goes like this. I think it's really important that I feel like loving God before I make any definite plans for my life. Now, the feeling has to come first. And people say, well, when we feel like it this year, we'll go to church and that way we can be authentic. And when we feel like it, we'll read our Bible this year. That way we can be authentic. And when we feel like it, then we'll tithe. And, and there's all this feeling stuff. But that theory, unfortunately, disagrees totally with God's Word. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now what's that mean? It means this. Go ahead and format what your life looks like when you're loving God and walk that path and it will help you to love God. Why? Because you're on the loving God path. I hope you understand that if you are not on the loving God path, you won't love God the way you should. Sometimes we have these ideals that we put out there. I really want to do this this year, but we never take a step in that direction. Right? I really want to become a fly fisherman this year. But we never buy a pole or a rod or whatever it is that fly fishermen use. 
we don't ever take a step that way. And you have to take steps for it to take place. And so you have to format your life. Find out what it looks like when you love God. Some of you have never sat down and thought about it before. You just go about your life, and once, every once in a while, maybe once a week, once a month, you think, you know what? I sure want to love God. But you aren't doing anything in practical ways to love God. And so God wants us to think about this. He wants us to consider this. The people who go by the feeling method hardly ever get to the destination. They stay stationary. Five years later, ten years later, they aren't any closer to God. And sadly, those days and weeks and months and years are wasted. Because my one and only life is passing quickly. I only get one trip on this planet. And I want my life to be on purpose, not by happenstance. Your car, depending on the make and model, was designed to help you keep it running right. The manufacturer even put gauges to help you treat the vehicle properly. You probably have an RPM gauge to keep you from damaging your engine. You likely have an odometer to alert you when you need to do some maintenance. You might even have a beeper that goes off if a tire goes low on air. You probably have a, a working gas gauge, unless you're driving my old Jeep truck, that keeps you from running out of fuel. You probably have an oil pressure gauge or a voltage meter and other bells and whistles that are designed to keep your car running. And you know, if we have all that just to keep a vehicle on the road, shouldn't we have something to keep our spiritual lives on the path? Some type of calendar, some type of format, some type of structure. For Christmas this year, my wife got me something called a Fitbit. And maybe you already know all about what that is, but I didn't. And it's a gizmo that, that I wear right here on my wrist. So here it is, it's a Fitbit. See that thing? Uh, you get one of these, you're fit. Just right away. But it tells me in an app on my phone what the Fitbit is reading. For instance, today, so far, I have taken 4,060 steps. 4,065 steps. I've walked 1.76 miles today. I have already burned 1,153 calories. I have been active, this says, zero minutes. Psh. <laughs> hate this thing. I slept for 7 hours and 14 minutes last night. They read that told me. Now, I had to plug this in. I have eaten 470 calories this morning already. But, good news is, I have 16 and... 158 calories left to eat. So I have to be kind of decisive on that. And then a place for how much water I've drunk. That's my Fitbit. Now, a Fitbit is just a tool that is designed to help me keep me healthy. And I don't have to have one. I could probably get by just fine. And some of you are out there, like, I don't need that thing. I'm healthy as a horse. Yeah, of course you are. As big as a horse, too. So, anyway, just kidding. <laughs> um, but look, 
the Fitbit is just a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool. It's just there to help me. Now, the truth is, I could go on my Fitbit thing on my phone, and I could trick the Fitbit and tell it that I ate something smaller than what I really ate. Right? I could say I ate coconut cream pie, but I only ate half a slice, when really I ate a whole slice. And I could make it look really good on my Fitbit report. But when I do that, who am I hurting? Myself. And when we lie to God about how much we really love Him, we're just hurting ourselves. When I say, God, I really love you, but I'm not doing anything in my life practical to show that I love Him, that doesn't add up. That doesn't work. And so I really need some tools in my life to make that happen. need to have a format. Now, all that to say this. I've got the Fitbit. It keeps my body working maybe a little bit better and whatever. But I read this in the Bible. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4a, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And so as an individual, the Bible tells me that it's much more important for me to format my spiritual walk than my physical walk. And what if I had a Christian Fitbit where I could say, I have walked 4,189 steps for God today. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? And they didn't have one. I looked it up. No Christian Fitbit. But there are some tools that I do want to tell you about. One that I shared with you last Sunday is uh, my Stewarding Life Planner. And if you want to get one of these, we don't have any more in the bookstore, but they're available at a website called strivingtogether.com. And you can get them there, and they can ship it right to your house. And this is a terrific tool for me. And what it does is it goes through and helps me every day to plan my life based on the roles of my life. And every day I deal with my walk with God, my identity in Christ, Uh, my role as a husband, as a father, what I do with my time, what I do with my finances, my relationships, my faith, my thoughts, my leadership, my testimony, and my witness. You know, if I thought about every one of those things every day, my chances of actually loving God in action are a lot better. Instead of just loving God in words and theory, what if I actually loved God in action? What if I actually took the steps to format my life? I'm going to tell you about another one that I love. Um, For years and years, I've journaled where I write my prayers to God and then read it to Him on a system called ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. And uh, this year, I have found a new tool that I love. It is called Prayer Prompter. And it's an app that I think you can get on about any smartphone or any device. Prayer Prompter. And it has my act system right in it. It also has prayer list where I can add any entry I want. Prayer requests for myself and my needs, for my spouse and her needs, for my family, 
each member of my family, it comes up with a list about them, and then I just flip through, and the next member of the family, there's my list for him, and there's my list for her. Sophie, don't be a rebel. Don't pull your hair out. All right, so actually doesn't say that. It says, learn obedience. Learn kindness and sharing. And uh, so I've got some things for her. I've got every member of my family in there. I've got uh, my extended family in there. This week, I'm going to be inputting even more into this. And it, it is helping me tremendously. I love it. And uh, so it's called Prayer Prompter. You don't have to use Prayer Prompter. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Use something. Format your spiritual walk just like you would format your physical walk because your spiritual walk is much more important than your physical walk because it lasts forever. You only get one life. And so format your life for loving God. It's a big deal. So that's as an individual. Have a format that keeps you loving God. Even on the days when you don't feel so great. You're not always going to feel like loving God or being committed to Him or praying or reading your Bible or going to church or whatever it is. And so we got to do those things as individuals. So you know, as a local church, we have a format also to keep our vision for loving God at the top of what we do. And I'd like to run through some of the ministry items for the coming year. If you don't have a ministry's event calendar, maybe it's your first week, we'll still give you one. Those are available. My wife's going to be out in the lobby after the service with these. If you don't have one, please see her. The next few weeks, we're going to be going into more detail on the vision behind some of these dates. But today, I just want to summarize. Now, coming up in February, February 9th through 13th, is our Love Works Week this year. We want to be a Love Works church year-round. But we emphasize it that week to keep it fresh. And starting next week, we're going to have sign-up sheets for t-shirts for our Love Works this year. And even if you already have this shirt from last year, I encourage you to get another one because it's a new color this year. And we're going to wear them on Public Servants Day, February 15th. Now, another neat thing with Love Works that we did, Brother James researched and found us uh, a domain name called loveworks.church that we bought. And it's now attached to Centennial Baptist Church. And so on all of our Love Works gear, we're going to have that website. And when you're giving out cards in the community or you're wearing your t-shirt, it's going to have loveworks.church and it's going to bring them under the sound of the gospel. March 6th and 7th, we have a couples retreat plan with a terrific couple coming from California. Uh, March 22nd this year, I Love My Church Day. It's going to be a special day. We've never done this before. We are going to invest in our own church to raise money to renovate and improve our church lobbies. We're going to have I Love My Church Day. Our goal is to raise ten dollars to $12,000 in that one day to be ready to have a project done in the summer. And so you could be praying about that day as you look at your, at your magnet there. Uh, April 4th is Blitz the City Day. It's the day before Easter. And we're going to go out and invite thousands of community members to join us for that special day. To help our weekday ministries functions, we have the Centennial Auction and Carnival every year. And this year it's April 10th. So you could save that day. May 2nd is the Ladies' Tea this year. May 10th, Mother's Day. And we have a special high school graduation ceremony on May 21st. 
Vacation Bible School is early this year. It's June 1, 2, and 3. June, we also have a men and boys camp out and team camp. July has a Panama mission trip for teens and teen sponsors. And then August, there's a, a trip to India for adults. And both of those trips are still open to more people to join. We have another big outreach project coming up in August called LoveWorks Backpack Giveaway. And we'll tell you all about that. September 13th is Anniversary Sunday. That's where we all celebrate together what the Lord's done this year. And note this date, ladies. We have a ladies retreat scheduled for September 18th and 19th. October, we're doing a couple of really fun things. And we have our Love Works Trunk Retreat always on the last Saturday of October, so we've done that the last few years. But we also are going to have an old-fashioned fall camp meeting this year, uh, October. I don't have the dates. I have to look right here. I've got the magnet. October 11th through 14th with Dave Summerdorf. Looking forward to that. November, we're going to do a Love Works for Veterans. And we have our mission banquet. And then December, we've got Angel Tree. We've got Christmas Sunday. We've got all these things coming up. Say, Pastor, well, why do we have a church calendar? Why don't we just show up and let the Spirit lead? And I assure you that we want the Spirit to lead. We really do. We yearn for that. We pray for that. But we also understand that the things that get scheduled are the things that get done. Do you know that? The things that get scheduled are the things that get done. You know why we have a service every Sunday morning at 11? Because it's scheduled. We desire to worship God and we scheduled it so that we could all show up at the same time. And if we didn't do it at the same time every week and the same day of the week, it would lead to something called confusion. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. He wants things to be done decently and in order. And that goes for a church and it goes for your life too. So I assure you that if you don't format your life for loving God, you're much more likely to be stagnant in your Christian walk. And so sit down today and figure out what does loving God look like in my life in 2015? And if you need help with that, we'd love to talk to you about it. Now, I'm not going to tell you what God's walk looks like for you, but I know some questions to ask to help you. To know, how does God want you to serve this year? How does God want you to live this year? And so figure that out and then head that direction. But then I'd like to close this morning by talking about this. Find people going the same direction as you. Find people going the same direction as you. A famous verse in Amos 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? I love the passage from Isaiah 41, where it says that the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smootheth with the hammer encouraged him that smote the anvil. They all had different roles, but they were all on the same team. And here at church, we have different spiritual gifts. We have different offices or ministries. We have different roles in the body, but we're all on the same team. Ephesians says we're all ministers. That which every joint supplieth is how it's described in Ephesians 4. And as we do life together in the body of Christ, we build each other up. 
Here's what I've found over the years. I've been in ministry for a little over 20 years now, and here's what I've found. Isolated Christians struggle to stay encouraged. Isolated Christians struggle to grow. Isolated Christians are much more susceptible to discouragement. And isolated Christians, this is a study done by a a secular group, isolated people, not just isolated Christians, die early. People who do not have good connections. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you like it is. People who do not have good friendship, relationship connections are much more likely to pass away early. And we spend all this time worrying about, I'm going to Fitbit, I'm going to stop this, and I'm not going to drink this. And the truth is, there are people who did all of those things, but they kept good relationships, and they lived to be 95. And they ate bacon every day. Like you can't eat bacon every day, but they did. But they had friends, they had relationships, they had people to encourage them. And living isolated, so hard to do. One of the best helps to keep loving God as your top priority this year is to surround yourself with those who desire to do the same thing. You need people who will laugh with you and cry with you and pray with you and learn with you, lovingly correct you and build you up and be there for you when you need them. At Centennial, for the last several years, we've had what we call life groups to meet this need in the body of Christ. I doubt that anyone in here this morning, including me, knows the name of every person in this room. I just don't think there's any of us that do. And that's what happens in a growing church. See, a growing church is always in transition. Transition is actually a good thing in a growing church. We're always changing because we're always adding people to the body and we're always having exciting new faces and new opportunities. But being in a church where you're part of a crowd with no connections doesn't build you up. And so we're making connections on purpose through our life groups. We have them Sunday mornings at 9.45. It's a really convenient time because you're already coming here. You just come an hour early or an hour and 10, an hour and 15 minutes early. So you just come a little early and you meet with your group. Some of our groups have refreshments. Some have activities every month or two. Some have dinner get-togethers. Life groups are an excellent approach to doing life with others that love God. And you're going to be strengthened through the faith influence of other people. I'm so thankful for our life group leaders and the investment that they make into life. Sheila Larea has led our ladies group for many, many years. Forrest and Marilyn Griggs have a group for those that are around 50, 55, and older. Sid and Gail Rocklets have another group for folks in that stage of life. Corey and Becky Webb have a group that's for people from around 30 to maybe around 50 or so. My wife and I have a group for folks that are from about 25 up through 45, 50, 53, 57, just whatever. You know, we kind of just we just kind of hang out. Um, Justin and Laura Dotson have a passion for our young adults, so we, so we have a young adult group. And uh, James and Allison Safer lead our team groups. I'm also thankful for our Golden Girls. Uh, they don't meet specifically on Sunday mornings, 
but they keep up with each other and do activities through the year and do things during the week. And what a blessing they are to each other and to the church. This year, we'd like to birth another group or two. Because doing life together is vital for the body of Christ. It's vital for you as an individual. It's vital for us to serve together. And I'm going to be talking more about this in the next couple of weeks. Because we're moving more of how we do ministry in and through our life groups. Here's what we believe. People who are doing spiritual life together are going to serve better together because they already know each other and they pray for each other and they encourage each other. And having life groups be able to choose their own ministry to be passionate about, to facilitate, is going to strengthen this church. More on that in the next couple of weeks. And I promise you, I'm not trying to sell you anything this morning. I don't get anything out of whether or not you come to life group. I am trying to be helpful to you today. I really am. You need to be in a life group. People who aren't attached in the body of Christ struggle to stay encouraged. And they struggle to take the next step of their faith. And so today, even out in the lobby, I'm going to ask Scott and Tara in a while uh, to be out in the lobby with a sign-up sheet. And if you've never tried out Life Group, or maybe you didn't even know we had it, you just put your name and number down there, and uh, maybe your, your age if you want, or kind of your stage of life. And we're going to get in touch with you and try to hook you up to the right Life Group. That'd be a help to you. And as I said, there's nothing for sale here. Okay, we just love you. We just, we're doing this to help each other. Those of you who are in life groups, I should have had five people come up and testify, can testify what they do for your life. They will encourage you. They will stabilize you. And it'll be a blessing to you. You really should check that out. So it'll be after the service today. Let's put this all together, though, as we finish up. Loving God is my top priority this year. Not because I'm anything special, because God's something special. He's worth loving. If you're a Christ follower, it should be your top priority this year. To make that relationship happen, we've talked about four things. Feed your heart and mind with God's Word. Fill your soul with renewal and inspiration. Format your life for loving God. And find people going the same direction as you. And here's my challenge to you today as we close. If in your heart right now you'd say, Pastor, I really want loving God to be my top priority. And if you really believe that should be your top priority and you'd like to be part of a commitment prayer today, I'm going to ask you in just a minute, uh, if you're physically able, just come right to the altar and kneel. Maybe if you can't do that, just sit right here on the front row. Maybe bow right at your own seat in prayer. But we're going to have a commitment prayer together as this first Sunday of the year that we will put loving God at the top of the list, but then we'll follow through. And we will be what God wants us to be as believers. And you don't have to be a church member to be a part of this commitment prayer. Anybody who's here today, I hope that loving God's your top priority. And so I'm just going to invite you right now, if you'd like to be a part of that prayer, go ahead and come. And we'll all pray together as we get ready to close this morning. <clears throat> Have a commitment prayer together. If your husband or wife 
is with you, just bring them with you and hold hands together and pray together and let's all make this commitment to loving God. If you can't get all the way to the altar, just fill an aisle or kneel at your seat. Do whatever God leads you to do this morning. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we praise you for who you are. You are God alone. There's none like you. There was no one besides you. No one compares to you. You alone are worthy of our praise and of our lives. And this year we come before you in 2015, in January, January 4th. And we say to you, God, as individuals, as families, as life groups, as the body of Christ... We want loving God to be our top priority. We want it to be the center of everything we do. We want to filter every decision we make through loving God. We want to filter every thought, every action, every word through loving you. And so I pray that you would be with these dear ones who have come today and said, we agree, we believe that loving God should be at the top of the list. We want that for our lives this year. Pray that you would work on our hearts this year as never before. May the Spirit of God lead us to attract people in this community who need Jesus Christ because they see that we love God, not just in words, but in practice. Make it real for us, God. Help us. We believe in you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As you go back to your seats, I want to share a decision with you this morning from a dear fellow who would like to join with us in church membership today. Brother Jonathan Linhart came in and talked to me uh, in the past couple of weeks, and he's been coming for quite a while. And Brother Jonathan uh, was saved when he was 10 years old in Flushing, Michigan. And he was baptized uh, at the First Baptist Church in Flushing, Michigan. And he has come today to join with us in membership. Before uh, we pray with him, he'd like to share just a quick testimony about how God brought him to Centennial. And it fits well with the uh, sermon today that I was looking for a group of people that I could go in direction with the Lord. And I needed this in my life. About a year ago, today almost, that I was driving to a different church that I had an address in Caldwell, and I decided to go out of my way for some reason. I went down this road. As I drove by, I 